Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Welcome to Pinko Commie Sluts. This is episode 10, guys. Double, double digits. Double digits. We're preteens now. Double Ds. Mm-hmm. We are preteens now. I'm Buddy. After Biden. <laughs> <laughs> well, introduce yourself. Who are we? Hi, I'm Bunny. I'm Bunny Themelis here with Marlo. <laughs> <laughs> Such energy, Steve. And we are the Pinko Commie Sluts, and uh, we're slutting it up. We are slutting it up this week. Um, I know one of us recently tried to watch the Plandemic. Oh, yeah. I, I I watched the whole thing. It's like twenty four minutes. It sucks. Oh. Like it's not good in an ironic way. It's just kind of boring and lame. It sucks. Yeah, if you're gonna have like a conspiracy theory, it's got to be cool. Like, well, what? What is? What is it? What is like, it? First, I'll, I'll say that um, I watched the fucking Epic Times one, and I thought that was boring. But then I watched this one. And <laughs> I really like the Epic Times. Um, yeah, I haven't yet found a good COVID conspiracy video, and uh, this is currently the worst of two I've watched. And that's disappointing. Yeah. Like, there should be better, I expect better of you COVID conspiracy theorists. Yeah, and like, I don't know, uh, it's just boring. Um, it's like 24 minutes long, so... I was about to turn it off after five minutes, but I figured I might as well just watch the whole fucking thing. Okay. You're a completist. <laughs> so what was the thing about the father, mother, daughter, blue-eyed uh, bear daddy? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so actually, this was a thing I was hoping to look up um, <laughs> because I feel like I've seen that guy before. I don't know exactly where I've seen the dude before. Uh, and I wanted to look him up, like maybe from like my days of like watching Trinity broadcasts uh, late night block. But yeah, he seems familiar. Let me just Wikipedia plant. Ooh, doesn't even. Oh, it does have a Wikipedia article. The deep state didn't get to it yet. Does it give? Yeah, that everyone who was sharing the pandemic video sincerely was like, "How long until they take this down?" You know, and then they yeah. immediately took it down. Yeah, Which, because it's full of misinformation. Yeah. I mean, but it's kind of like the Waco argument, where it's like actually showing up to the compound, uh, kind of feeds into their general apology and conspiracy theory, and proves themselves right in their own minds. YouTube deleting this is like Waco. Uh, <laughs> it's the Waco of 2020. <laughs> See, 
I'm disappointed because I have a theory, uh, all conspiracy theories, if you follow them down their rabbit holes long enough, they eventually have to turn supernatural. Like, in order to keep this idea that all of these people could conspire secretly, etc., uh, yeah, it has to go supernatural. And this one doesn't, and I'm disappointed. I'm waiting for that link. I'm sure there's, I mean, there are people out there, I am aware of them, who are making a supernatural argument, but it's not really a... Well, it, it was interesting in that it was grounded in a sort of materialism. Well... Yeah, I mean, that's every conspiracy theory. It's trying to answer questions that essentially the prevailing liberal order can Like, why do we listen to Bill Gates even though he's not an ex-medicine and he's not an elected official? It's a fair question to ask. Um, it absolutely is, and I hate that these fucking people are making my uh, simmering hatred of Bill Gates a suspect now, because why should someone, just by virtue of them having a ton of money, get to influence so many things when, like you said, they're not uh, even credentialed for these things? Funny, did you know that Bill Gates... Funds NPR with the Gates Foundation. Well, oh. it's it's not just him. It's uh, the Soros, too. Yeah. <laughs> the the thing under the pan pandemic thing that made me laugh was that someone framed it as a Jewish conspiracy. And I was confused by that because Fauci's not Jewish and neither is Bill Gates. And the yeah. it's, they're just not waspy enough, I guess. <laughs> Well, I, I guess with Fauci, you can, like, build an, an Italian-based conspiracy theory. <laughs> so it's Which we don't of, have enough like, of. <laughs> the, well, because the other thing is, like, something-something mafia is, like, an oft-used title for, like, a supposed conspiracy, like the gay mafia back in the day or okay. the Jewish, like, Illuminati mafia. But in this case, it's just the Italian mafia. It keeps things simple. <laughs> it's just the mafia. Yeah, I was confused by the, the anti-Semitic bent to the pandemic. Oh, that's the other thing about conspiracy theories is that they're always... Always, always Jewish. Always anti-Semitic. It's always the Jews did everything, which in a weird way is almost like... Poison yeah, and wells since eleven hundred. Like even the ones you don't suspect to go there, like the flat earth. If you read enough flat earthers, you get to somewhere where they're like, and then the Jews want us to think the earth is round. And you're like, what? Why is it? I think David Icke is the like most famous one where like a lot of people don't realize he's well, anti-Semitic. Not to defend David Icke, David. but he is out there. I'm not at all, but he uh, is out there enough don't. where it's mostly like he's been too friendly to the conflation of his batshit reptilian alien stuff with the idea of a like Jewish New World Order thingy. Much like I'd say it's akin to, if you remember the days of your uh, zeitgeist, a 9-11 conspiracy theory, which eventually went to a place where it was like, and then the Rothschilds, and you were like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> well, you do know that, you know, they yeah. alerted everyone in the towers to get out. That was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, they didn't tell all yep. the... 
the fucking Greeks in that little Greek church that got destroyed. That's uh hasn't been rebuilt yet. No Jewish taxi drivers were working on 9-11. <laughs> what would you yeah, say is the know. difference um, between the Epoch Times video versus the pandemic? Well, about 40 <laughs> minutes of runtime. No, there were some um, very structural differences between so the, the two. Okay, so Epic Times definitely had like well, no, Epic Time, I kind of think they both had equally, like, fun premises, because both of their premises were someone created the virus in a lab for some reason and intentionally released it. In the case of Plandemic, it was the Americans made it in a lab so they could sell the vaccine. Uh, and also the vaccine. Yeah, this is uh, I, this is um, a convergence of a lot of different shit because yeah. you have a overseas conspiracy theory that the virus was created by the U.S. and brought to Wuhan. Well, this was a uh, American conspiracy theory mm-hmm. that the and, and, and also and also funded in that the way. Wuhan lab, right? Yeah, Wait, yeah, they did. did they, they say that? They, I don't they, know. They I said that the Wuhan lab was funded by the Obama administration. Which <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I guess I, my eyes closed over and I missed that because oh, the thing was fucking Yeah, boring. but so it's that, but it's also this pre-dated, if you will, uh, QAnon uh, idea that Bill Gates is trying to sell his vaccine in order to microchip everybody. So now this is like this nice folding together where uh, it's all coming together. And then people who've just been like just dumb enough to kind of believe it, but they think they're being skeptical. Like it's enough things that's happened where they're like, oh no, it's all happening. Stop stop describing me, bunny. (laughs) I don't know. Why not just have the conspiracy theory be Bill Gates with his infinite wealth, created the virus so that he could sell you a cure. Very easy. But, like, this even went so far as to say, like, the vaccine couldn't work because it's an RNA virus or some bullshit, like, which I don't know is true. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what their point was. So, like, the cure that they're trying to sell you doesn't work, well, but like, they're still trying to sell it to you. benefiting from... What's unclear to me is, like, who... Is the bad guy here? Who's Anthony Fauci. Tony <laughs> Fauci. Yeah, mama yeah. Mia. Specifically, specifically Anthony Fauci because, like, she doesn't <laughs> like also started There's some history there that um, I did delve into online. Oh, yeah. Like, apparently Anthony Fauci, like, caused this <laughs> to happen no, or he, something. He fucked no, that monkey? Like, the whole thing. No, he, he withheld yeah. a vaccine. 1982, right? Um, for like two years, I could have saved all of Africa that she discovered, but releasing it, right. uh, Anthony Fauci had to have a conversation with somebody and then with drug till they could right. form their own vaccine and then profit off of it. Right? Like, yeah, the whole thing has like a general view of this is like people's way of making money. It has a very uh, anti-vaccine um, message as well, which. Well, the problem is they're exploiting a legitimate distrust in the medical establishment. And now it's because it, it fucking works like two ways where it validates these people 
partial to quote unquote anti-vax, whatever. But then it kind of ties up any critique or doubt about what's happening in these people as, oh, you think that crazy conspiracy shit. Like that's what I, that's what irritates me about the Bill Gates stuff is that like there are legitimate reasons to be like, why the fuck does he get to make these decisions that have nothing to do with watching a Reddit or, or why should public universities be able to patent shit that, like, essentially the research was mm-hmm. underwritten by taxpayers? Like, that's also a legitimate thing that was specifically brought up. And, I mean, that's the thing with conspiracy theories is often they're working on a basis that, like, yes, in fact, the world is fucked up and it is, in fact, stacked against 95 percent of every human being and it is stacked against them in favor of another group of people it's like what conspiracy theories work on some of those things are fucked up the thing is stupid though well i I was bothered as well because they cast everyone's so fixated on the masks and i'm out here saying Masks are fucking cool. I'm happy as shit. (laughs) Well, they were building off of other people to pad their content. They were building off of other people who were saying masks are bad. That's actually a scene I want to talk about, I guess. Well, I don't because this thing is boring and I don't want to talk (laughs) about it. But those two doctors at the table where they kept, like, getting interviewed uh, in, like, A-cam, B-cam on these close shots and the whole time it seemed like they were talking to like someone and then like at the very end they had like a wide shot and it was just these two doctors sitting at this very empty table (laughs) yeah i guess that was like an unintentionally absurd part of it. I can't really think of much from it. I don't know. Well, the thing I want to get back to is the, the Epoch Times versus this one because this one had a very uh, American uh, truther, Bush did 9-11 feel to it. Yeah, yeah, very loose. Whereas the Epoch Times put all of the blame on communist China party. Yeah, yeah no, the Epoch Times one was basically the Falun Gong doing exactly what the Falun Gong does all the time. Bootleg Tai Chi? Um, and fascism. And, like, and fascism. I think I saw a tweet today, like, I hope the communists actually ransack their fucking printing press, and I hope they do it again. <laughs> uh, that was, like, an hour and also boring. It had a better production quality. Yeah. Bullshit. I still want to find out who the fucking host of the pandemic is. And also, I do want to, like, briefly point out when it said his name, it, underneath him, it uh, is, like, essential byline, I guess, um, was filmmaker and father. Uh, so, I don't know that point. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and they're bullshit. Most of the conspiracy theories in America about this are China-based, and a lot of, like, xenophobic, anti-communist kind of sentiments are being conspiracied into, well, China's the one to blame. We're all being told it's coming from them. Um, And I thought it was interesting that Plandemic took a 9-11 truther, like, internal... And it just kind of crystallized into this idea that Americans and the fact that this is so popular is so interesting to me because kids are so much more 
willing to buy into the fact that America is so much more powerful than anybody else that only we could have devised something that could have one major difference between this and uh, Loose Change, the Bush did 9-11 video, mm-hmm. the original one, is that Loose Change came out during a Republican uh, administration and blamed the Republican president for 9-11 and was specifically aiming at liberals and leftists for that. And this came out during a Republican administration and specifically did not blame the Republican president and is actually aiming at a more right-wing audience. Well, right-wing and dipshits, because <laughs> I saw a lot... Well, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, same yeah, with Liz Change. Saw, it's a I saw a lot drift. of people who wouldn't ever be caught dead thinking of themselves right-wing who were, like, compelled by this fucking video because they're fucking dipshits. No. Sorry. I hope I hope I'm I not guess. Facebook friends with someone who wrote something like that, but they're nice enough to listen to this podcast. I just fucking dunked on them. Well, sorry. Just please, please get your kids vaccinated. Christ. The only real conspiracy out here are the ones designed to thwart the natural development of communism. And also like weird shit about black history. (laughs) Those are, yeah, we did like at a certain point intentionally use black men as guinea pigs for like testing what syphilis does. Like, it should be fake. Oh, like an actual conspiring of, (laughs) yes, okay. (laughs) Yeah, or like even like after Katrina and like some quote unquote conspiracy theorists were like, oh, government, you know, flooded the projects to buy up land. And it's like, well, actually, yeah, that did happen Mm -hmm. at one point in New Orleans. Like the government actually did fucking blow that up. So, yeah, the black history is like the one conspiracy theory that's often true. That's my woke take for Mm -hmm. the day. But it's hard because uh, all of this contributes overall to encouraging people to think of things dichotomously. So then it doesn't become about actually questioning anything or whatever. Then it very much becomes about the dichotomy between do you believe conspiracy theories or like the truth? Is that your Trump? uh, Is that your Trump impersonation? No, not at all. (laughs) No, that's. That's just my. That's more like uh, Mike Tracy, logical and reasonable bullshit. Yeah, Yeah, like it's just people who I get it. I get feels reasonable, but it's not. I think (laughs) I think that people conflate structural arguments with conspiracy theories. Yes, and that's something that people have a hard time discerning between. When you say that, like, one class of, like, very rich people are exploiting a large group of very poor people, like, it sounds like it could be no different than a conspiracy theory that, like, the Jews are trying to, like, pedophile their way into world domination. Well, I that's guess, I guess... Exact, that's the exact quote. Uh, <laughs> Anti-Semitism is the socialism of fools. I, I know, I know. You said that in the last episode, in the episode before that. But, yeah. like, it's still true. Like, the structural arguments that postmodern neo-Marxists make about liberal hegemony are often conflated with conspiracy theories because conspiracy theorists think they're making structural arguments when they're making conspiracy theories. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Speaking of some 
such a person. Uh, did y'all see Alex Jones say he was going to eat his neighbors? He was going to eat ass. He said, I'll eat your ass. No. Like, I my soft spot. No, he did. I He said it four or five times that he was going to eat his neighbors. I, I'll admit it. I will eat my neighbors. I'm not letting my kids die. I'll, I'm just going to be honest. My superpowers being honest, I've extrapolated this out, and I won't have to for a few years since I got food and stuff, but I'm literally looking at my neighbors now and going, am I ready to hang them up and gut them and skin them and chop them up? And you know what? I'm ready. My daughters aren't starving to death. I'll eat my neighbors. I'll eat your ass. I will. I'm combat model, optimum self-sufficiency. The point is, is have you thought about that yet? Because I'm somebody that thought I could fix this, and I'm starting to think about having to eat my neighbors. You think I like sizing up my neighbor, how I'm going to haul him up by a chain and chop his ass up? I'll do it. My children aren't going hungry. I will eat your ass. And that's why I want the globalists to know, I will eat your ass first. Which... I love because it really showcases uh, in the imagination of certain people if there were to be some sort of catastrophic breaking down of of all fundamental society. You get to see what dumb shit idiots imagine is going to happen and be important. <laughs> like, in what scenario is it like, A, to eat your fucking neighbors? <laughs> like, well, like, literally eat ass? Like, yeah, as in, yeah, he like, did talking. say eat ass. Like, a lot. so, like, tossing salad like he was meaning he was gonna eat him but probably ask first like an animal does on something like right. i'm gonna eat your ass i'm gonna eat your ass hey i don't care uh, my kids uh, are my soft okay. spot i'll eat your ass eat your ass doesn't mean like consume the person it means we know direct them made a beat a reply guy to uh info wars here i'm pretty <laughs> sure that's not what reply guy means but yeah <laughs> hey uh i'm chris hi chris. Hey, chris uh and i'm a reply guy <laughs> uh i follow a lot of famous female comedians on twitter uh pretty much all of them uh, oh, the funny ones. <laughs> uh, not the not funny ones. Uh, and I have a problem. I just uh, find myself when they tweet or post something on Instagram, I feel like I immediately have to reply with a joke of my own. Okay, and do you see why that's a problem? Not actually, no. Yeah, I don't know. He, he, he seems to be saying he I, will give analingus. I know, that is what he seems to be saying, but what he's actually saying is that he would commit cannibalism, which I think is like, it, it's the same vibe I get from people who have a pro-gun argument where it's obvious they imagine some sort of fantastical shootout scenario where they're going to fucking win and like not what reality is. It's like the first time I saw a fight fight in real life that wasn't between two kids, you know, <laughs> like first time I saw a fight between two grown men in the wild was gross, <laughs> right? Like real violence and shit is not cool. It's gross and squishy and uh, hurts people. <laughs>
And like, I just think so much of what people imagine um, is going to go down is something that they saw in a fucking movie or a TV show. It isn't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, who's going to do better in an actual post-apocalyptic quote-unquote scenario? Hey, people uh, who know how to steal in loot. <laughs> like, like that's going to be more of the thing that's happening well, no, um, I mean, before you're fucking cannibalizing your neighbor. Like, did you already eat their food and you got to eat them? Well, the no, I mean, I would argue that actually the issue and the issue of to why these quote-unquote survivalists uh, seem so very bad at the first scenario that is kind of one of their scenarios they always go off about is because the people who do best are honestly the people who know how to, like, get along with others and work together. And uh, they have this fantasy of just, like, having a bunch of guns and like boarding up their house and riding out some zombie apocalypse but yeah no but society even what society breaks down it's still a collective effort yeah i mean well also this kind of like movification of shit is what contributes to justifying all kinds of bigotry yeah. Because it's not just that the, like, racist or whatever ideas people have are wrong. It's that their ideas of how crime at all happens is wrong, usually. People are often imagining something uh, they've never lived through, something that was presented to them in a fictional scenario, when real life is boring and mundane yeah. and tedious and, you know, gr like, gross. <laughs> it's it's so much more that than yeah. anything exciting and it's just, I don't know. I don't even think it's pure machismo. It'd be nice to tie it up as just men or whatever, but it's just this fucking idea that you're going to like kick down a door and like bam, 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 everything. And like having such a hard on for that gets in everyone's way from actually finding solutions to problems or, you know, ways to actually be safe in life. I agree. I believe that the simulacrum that is masculinity is uh, built into our infrastructure and has uh, destroyed many for an entire generation. Well, and I think it's, it's also goes to show, like, uh, there was an explosion of people buying guns uh, since the lockdowns, etc. have started, which I get. Like, it's not like I don't entirely understand that at all. But what you've seen happen is people are like, I don't know fucking how to cook anything. Like, all these, like, more mundane and, let me say it, traditionally feminine tasks are actually the fundamental labors that people need. Should shit really go down and should you really need to quote unquote survive or whatever, it's not fucking knowing how to shoot a gun real life. It's how to make sure things aren't dirty and poisonous. Yeah, again, you. like <laughs> if you're one of those survivalists, now is as good a time as any to crack into your two month food supply that you apparently have. Look, look, I've got a plan, and my plan is to find some fundamentalist Mormons, or at least some devout ones, because they've got three years in the pantry. Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, it's also as good a time as any to set, like, general, like, explosives around your house. 
Or, I mean, if there was ever a time to download a copy of the Anarchist Cookbook and just read it. But I, too, Bunny, had friends ask me if I had, like, an escape plan from New York to escape and to go to higher ground where, like, when society inevitably collapsed. And I also had, like, people asking, how are you going to make it without guns? And do you have a plan when, you know, communist dictator Andrew Cuomo cracks people? <laughs> yeah, I'm probably just fine. You know, yeah, no, I mean, this delivering. is honestly my purely <laughs> arrogant East Coastness. Uh, yeah, I don't give a shit. Like, I'll take path out of New York. It's not that big of a deal. Um, like, oh, oh, where do you think your food comes from? A supermarket. I get it there all the time. It's easy as fuck. I don't give a shit about what you do out in the West or upstate or any of that. Right. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. No, you that's do the thing. Have say we're in this scenario where we need to, like, do whatever we need to do to survive. You need to steal shit way before you're thinking about growing your own food. Or no, what you need to do is work scale. together with I mean, your I neighbors. am admittedly growing my own food right now. I do have a little arrow garden. I am growing okay, my own disagree with you. No, what you need to do is work together with your neighbors and organize a community mutual aid bullshit. Absolutely. You, like, even if you accepted an individualist bullshit idea, the idea shouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to go start my own mini fucking country by myself, essentially. See, it would be like, how good, not, how good am I at well, the thing is, they I need think without... They are, because they have a bunch of guns, and they think that solves the rest of their problems. No, they need to learn how to, like, play nice with others. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, their version of playing nice with others is brandishing their guns. No, they need to, like, do... That boring fucking shit that the anarchists always go off about. Uh, and, like, I don't know, like, fucking shake hands with their neighbors and grow some beans or whatever. Which will uh, give them the coronavirus. No, because like, they'll help each other out. Uh, and that's the point. And through enough mutual aid. Well, also the things that you'd want to focus on in a mutual aid situation are also um, the traditionally feminine yeah no absolutely uh, yeah no you guys uh, need to be quilting yeah 100% you guys need to have a, yeah. a literal sewing circle well and also I have turned into a complete like homesteader bride on my own during this time I just I can't stop <laughs> mending things <Yeah>. and <laughs> like it's really uh, without the constant pressure to go a ton of places <laughs> um, and the inability to have someone else fix whatever it is uh, I'm just yeah I've I've made my own masks uh, I've reacquainted with my sewing skills. I'm lucky because I have like, my mom is from like this weird small town in northern Quebec. And she's, it's like she's from another era because I learned all kinds of like really rudimentary basic skills via just my mom's weird old timey poverty. <laughs> like sewing my own clothes and stuff. Just certain things. My mom grew up in a place where, like, her and her sister, like, made their own clothes for a yeah, long time. They, they don't get it. She was in a schoolhouse. They do not get into how, like, Quebec. I mean, uh, yeah, your mom's probably younger than the Quiet Revolution. But, yeah, it's 
often glossed over that like Quebec was this weird like quasi third world country within Canada until the early 1960s. When my mom was yeah. born. No, I mean. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, my mom's. I love to talk about my mom's stories because while I do agree that Canada has a different kindness prioritized as a society which does make things different like if you drive into canada the signs and shit get like nicer (laughs) but my mom tells these batshit stories from growing up where i'm always like holy fucking shit what kind of northern quebec wild west equivalent shit i I mean i will say this and probably be corrected because i'm glossing over nuance or whatever bullshit but like they didn't really have secular public education in quebec until the early 1960s all the schools were controlled by the catholic church well my mom went to catholic school which is why she's an agnostic yeah But, like, the Catholic Church essentially controlled a lot of public services in Quebec in a way that in, say, France itself was true until, like, World War II-ish. Quebec was this weird fucking, like, didn't speak the same language as the rest of Canada and really had their own set of rules until the early 1960s. They were this heavily exploited, like, weird area that was nonetheless part of Canada. And I also believe that the idea for a nation, for a people to have its own country, cannot die and cannot be irrelevant. It's been chosen by so many people in the last century. Why would any of that be any bad for Quebec? We almost always get to a result between 30 and 35% of the Quebecers who favor the idea of sovereignty. And this is more than enough to keep this idea alive and to build on. And I, I, I still believe that this can be done, this can be achieved. Speaking to the uh, weird Catholic uh, control in Quebec, I did have a fun thing uh, couple years ago I was writing something where it struck me to um, look up how difficult it would have been for my mom to get an abortion (laughs) when she was pregnant with me and guess what it would have been very difficult (laughs) because Quebec was still uh, very Catholic and it wasn't very uh, available so um, not that I if, I mean my mom's not listening to this podcast my mom really hates this joke I do in my stand up or used to do it's not that funny so I don't do it anymore but I have a scar in my eyebrow and I joke about it it's from uh, a coat hanger and like blah 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 and my mom would get something no I was uh, gonna <laughs> go there but you went there first well, yeah, you gotta. <laughs> but then it was funny. It was funny to look this up and realize, oh no, um, <laughs> my mom, like my mom, didn't have a grand choice necessarily uh, when she became pregnant with me. Um, the doctor said that my mom you know, should have had an abortion. 
portion. Yeah, that's what Biggie said. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's not. It's some 41, dick. Biggie also kind of has a line like that in um, When I Die, Fuck It, I Want to Go to Hell because I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, that's a line in a Biggie song, too. Communism or uh, Axl Rose? That's, <laughs> I see this diverging into two paths, and I feel like we can do either. Yeah, there's also the, uh, I mean, the video game discussion. Uh, right. We have. Video game discussion. Uh, the video game we're talking about. Tonight we is, riot. Um, uh, it's a leftist yeah, video it, game. It's awesome. It's and, a very uh, online left uh, video game. Uh, well, yeah, so what? No. Well, I <laughs> wanted to give a brief overview of the history of leftism in video games, starting with 1987's mm-hmm. Guerrilla War by SNK. Originally as an arcade cabinet, then was ported to NES. In Japan, it was called Guvera, and the game, in fact, is a top-down shooter, having you take the role of uh, Che Guevara, um, and uh, player two is Fidel Castro, and your job is to overthrow (laughs) uh, the Batista regime. Um... And actually, yeah, in a lot of ways, uh, Tonight We Riot kind of follows that structurally, like in the level progression. It's very much you're moving from A to B uh, to overthrow the government. Uh, anyway, so then after, uh, after Guerrilla War, um, you had... Well, you had a liberal crime squad by Tarn Adams, who's also the creator of Dwarf Fortress. If you've spoken to me, you know about Dwarf Fortress. Um, <laughs> and that game, despite the fact that Tarn Adams is not the most well-read politically, um, and it uses the word liberal instead of left and kind of is a little disjointed in theory, I'll forgive him for that because it's a very immersive uh, text-based RPG where you essentially create a cell-based terrorist network in the United States uh, to overthrow the government. And then there was another fucking one I wanted to talk about, but I forget it. So we have Tonight We Riot. Which I did like what I read uh, the developer said, which was was sort of developed as a reaction to how like so many video games are super imperialist and military based bullshit and feel a lot of xenophobia and shit like that one article i read made a really good point about how um you got like a little bit in bioshock but then they went and like made it like some gross horse theory bullshit and i don't know i just think we know it's definitely an unapologetically leftist video game that is also unashamed of being completely on the nose. Gameplay-wise, it's decent. The best I can describe is they tried to combine Double Dragon and Pikmin. It's a side-scrolling beat-em-up, but the gist is you have a mob that you control instead of a single uh, player character, and they sort of attack together and blah, 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 and, like, if one dies, you'll take control of another one. But, yeah, no, it's very unapologetically leftist. It has Riot Dog as a special character in it. 
Riot Dog, uh, for listeners not familiar, the Greek yes, Riot yes, Dog. Greek Riot Dog. <laughs> Which uh, Marlo sent me a screenshot earlier, and he was saying... Uh, Translate! Translate! We, we have nothing to lose but our leashes! Which uh, I loved. And we want to win yeah. the world, that's what he said. But uh, World 2 in the game is uh, called Bootlicker Bay. And it's basically the <laughs> rural area uh, where you have a bunch of, you know, lumpen proletariat uh, guys waving Gadsden flags. And, like, one of the interesting elements is if you kill, like, their leaders, a lot of the time the uh, essentially proletariat but reactionary uh, followers will switch over to your side. <laughs> it's amusing. The other game I was going to allude to is Disco Elysium, which is mm. basically, it's like reading a novel, and it's quite a good novel, but, like, occasionally you have to roll dice, and if you don't roll dice high enough, you can't read more of the novel. Um, it's not really, like, a traditional game game, uh, but it is voiced by the Chapo guys, and it's this, like, really complicated, <laughs> like, alternate universe where, like, there's like this form of Marxism that's not called Marxism, but it's essentially Marxism, like had a revolution 20 years prior and lost. And like you're in this weird dystopian kind of steampunky thing. Very good. Also should check it out. Uh, you'll play like an hour of it and then get bored and like always want to go back to it and never play it again. Uh, but it's fine. Tonight we riot. Solid game. It's also made by the Means TV guy. Well, it's produced by them. Uh, Means TV being the originally was Means Production, which was a video production company that uh, did AOC's ad. Uh, and then they formed their own yes. leftist Netflix. And then they formed a video game publishing arm called Means Interactive, which, and this is their first game that they're publishing. So, you know, has a general connection to that. I like it. I want to see more overt leftism in the, if there is a Well, the, the Disco Elysium guys famously, <laughs> when, they, uh, when they got the award for uh, best RPG of the year of 2019, thanked Martin and Engels in their acceptance speech. Oh, yeah. I... <laughs> do we want to do... I think we got it. All right. Axel was in the news this week. And if you don't know, we mean Axel Rose, the anagram for oral sex. (laughs) (laughs) Also also known Uh, as William Bailey, the lead singer of Guns N' Roses. Whose first album? The current uh, lead singer of Guns N' Roses. Current lead singer. They are still a band. They are still a band, and they're rocking. They're still rocking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Thirty-three years in the making, as I know, because my mother conceived me the same day that Appetite for Destruction came out. Yeah, I was born in April of 88, and Appetite for Destruction came out in, like, 87. Therefore, I was... 
Yeah, yeah I too okay. was conceived during uh, every album of 1987. Basically, yeah. she heard Appetite for Destruction and was like, I want... Had an appetite for your dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my dad's thing. It was like, <laughs> let's make a, let's make a Steven. Like, also a long-haired okay. redhead. Destroy yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, welcome to my jungle. <laughs> okay, so I'm an original Guns N' Roses fan, even though uh, their seminal album came out when I was conceived. That's my origin story. We're going to go with it. Let's move on. Uh Guns N' Roses, uh, though, was conceived during the Reagan era. Yes. And for people who don't know and people who just hear Axl Roses in the news, he was battling with... Steve Mnuchin this week. That's what brought us to this conversation. Steve Mnuchin said something that made Axl Rose angry. Axl Rose called him an, an asshole. <laughs> called yeah. him an which is which fair. is valid. Uh, I'm still not certain what he said that made him call him an asshole. But a lot of people are surprised that Axl Rose doesn't support Donald Trump's entire agenda based on him being Axl Rose. And I want to dispel those theories because Axl Rose, in my entire framework of my life, is the ubermensch of neoliberalism. <laughs> he, is, he is Nietzsche's ubermensch. He has risen above and beyond all systems or classes or aristocratic demands of him. And he has turned his life into being a champion of not only the people, but being the people's people and rising above all ideology to become the Ubermensch. And this started in 1985 uh, when Guns N' Roses was started. Axel Rose, poor boy from Illinois who had a dream of becoming a rock star, hitchhiked his way to, to L.A., and started a band called L.A. Guns, which turned into Guns N' Roses with a bunch of heroin addicts. Who would have thought three years later this man would be the front man of, like, the biggest band in the entire world? But, you know, so it goes. Three years later, after Appetite for Destruction comes out, follows Soviet Union happens, and Use Your Illusions comes out, like, weeks before the Soviet Union falls. Is this a coincidence? Maybe. Is Guns N' Roses too big to fail? Is the Soviet Union too big to fail? Is it a coincidence that both fell apart at, the, at around the same time? Maybe, maybe not. But Axel Rose went from being like the democratic front man of, to being the totalitarian Silicon Valley dictator Guns N' Roses from like 1994 onwards. I think it was actually 1996. And then started Guns N' Roses in, coincidentally, and I'm putting this in heavy air quotes, like weeks before 9-11. So I'm not saying Axl Rose did 9-11, <laughs> but Axl Rose definitely profit off of 9-11. But anyways... Like a super interesting thing that I heard all of. All you need to know, Marlo, is that Axl Rose did 911. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to interject at that point, but I didn't want to let you all know I was back already. 
Because one of my favorite, like, unintentional things in movies is the Kermit the Frog did 9-11 thing. I'm curious <laughs> if you guys know about that. No. no. Well, Phyllis. Okay, so there was a forgettable Muppets movie that came out Christmas of 01 that essentially a part of it was uh, riffed off of uh, Wonderful Life, but with Kermit. So, you know, like all movies. After September of 2001, they had to hastily edit it. So they like took out like all the Twin Towers, basically a digital 911. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the share music video? But they missed a single shot of the Twin Towers. And that happened to be during the alternate scenario where Kermit the Frog never existed. Ergo, implying that Kermit the Frog did 911. <laughs> <laughs> or at least if Kermit the Frog was never born, 9-11 would not have happened. Okay, okay, so... Anyway, Axl Rose. Continuing on my Axl Rose quest... Who, like uh, Kermit the Frog, did 9-11. Who, like Kermit the Frog, did 9-11 and continued and released his 15-year-awaited album, Chinese Democracy, weeks before the stock market crashed in 2007 2008 and i i have this long theory that axel rose has been at every you know guns and roses has been at every major um history point of new yeah, axel rose is basically forrest gump no axel rose is like george hw bush before george hw bush died and now that george hw bush has died Axl Rose is living on in his memory, you know, or like head of the CIA for Reagan. Like, what? I don't. Yeah, I, like he. I like he, my Forrest Gump idea better. Like he's just sort of there for everything. <laughs> and so was George H. W. Bush. Yeah, because um, yeah, he was like in the government. Forrest <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gump was but, just literally there. Like George H. W. Bush was doing things. But Axl Rose released albums at like very pivotal points you, well, know? you can you can see axel rose at a fucking like bus stop talking to someone and he's like and then we released chinese democracy economy yeah. crashed after that <laughs> exactly and the then the weird thing is like with the trump administration people always assume that axel rose is just a race of racist bigot based on the fact that he used an n-word in like 1990 uh, yeah. in oh, also also he did get box braids that day. <laughs> oh, yeah yeah there was famously cornrows axel corn there was cornrows axel rose and there was also cornrows sorry there was also axel <laughs> there was also axel rose jumping off of a stage and hitting somebody oh yeah yeah, yeah. No, that was cool which is just fucking epic but again like his main his main arguments against like society has been political correctness is wrong and global capitalism and democracy is correct and also like some weird question about structural inequalities that got subsumed by like Hollywood liberalism which turned him into an anti-Trump and that he is today, which gets, like, forgotten in the Trump era who only remember him as a racist. 
But he's got like a Mexican spiritual advisor. Well, yeah, no, like I mean, that's the thing with GNR too. Is they're like the answer to hair metal, right? Uh, right. Like they're, most they're, of the hair metal guys are, in fact, other than Snyder, but like most of them are essentially lazily racist conservatives. I mean, the, the chief amongst them, uh, Ted Nugent. Thank you. Oh, yeah, Ted Nugent. Yeah, he's like, the ultimate action would be the like crystallization of hair metal, as was Guns N' Roses, the uh, antithesis of the thesis of hair metal. So too is Axl Rose, the antithesis Hegelianly of Ted Nugent. <laughs> and. <laughs> Make here's that our fucking episode title, bitch. But here's here's the Hegel- <laughs> here, here's the Hegelian element of it is that in 2016, in the lead up to Trump's ascendance, Guns N' Roses, the original lineup, reformed with Axel and Slash. Right. Yeah. A bunch of the original members coming together and doing a stadium tour, which encapsulates the whole Make America Great Again nostalgia for an right. America that was once before, where where Guns N' Roses has always kind of um, embodied that, like, small-town white boy moves to the big city and has critiques of the That's big paradise. I want to, yeah, I want to say that um, also Guns N' Roses falls victim to the overall weird nexus that was the 1990s where you could just make up i remember people projecting all these like white supremacist things onto guns and roses simply because they were rock and roll as opposed to like hip-hop or something there was one that was very frequently said when i was young that uh welcome to the jungle was like a weird racist coded song yeah, I mean, that's not true. Though I do remember when I got Battlefield Vietnam, uh, you could load your own MP3 files to play on your helicopter's radio, and I did put Welcome to the Jungle up there, because, you know, Vietnam. I just want to point out he had a feud with Kurt Cobain in the early 90s. and the- Which reasonable, because essentially Axl Rose was the death of the 1980s and Kurt Cobain was the birth of the 1990s. Which was, yeah, the zeitgeistian kind of Hegelian dialectic between the two. Yeah, no, they were, it <laughs> but, was fucking thesis antithesis in those two people. But one, one died of a, you know, a shotgun slash c- c- Courtney. Um, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, no, that's Texas, dude. You got to do it, bro. Courtney Love had nothing to do with that shit, yeah. All right, it was due to, like, a shotgun, and Axl Rose lived on. Right. Now we're living in the era of Axl Rose's Gen X kind of, like, youth is N. Okay, so this is actually... In his Twitter feed. Because, yeah. What kind of a douchebag would Kurt Cobain be if he lived... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, Kurt Cobain, like, actually, I was thinking about it. He was kind of cool. Like, no, no he was, he was an edgelord. He was an edgelord. He was an edgelord. Yeah. He wanted to do, he wanted to do heroin 
as a rich guy. Like that was yeah. part of the, the I mean, whole he was fucking thing. Like cool with Which, LGBT people at a time before that was normal. And you think about the thesis antithesis from the eighties to the nineties of this like weird hyper like the hair metal like hyper masculinity but also gay because they like could only like you can only get so manly before you just decide to be gay (laughs) and then like the 90s like grunge thing of actually being very in touch with your emotions and like kind of getting into that whole aspect and the like screaming lyrics versus the yarling lyrics uh kind of deal like yeah it's weird because it's like since guns and roses the real guns and roses axel rose went through his whole thing where it was like oh thesis axel rose is skinny antithesis axel rose is very fat (laughs) axel rose might be the most take alien musician uh, yeah. Axelrod, I, I, I already said musician. I already said he's the Nietzschean Ubermensch. Yeah, like, no, well, that's like, wrong. My antithesis is he isn't Nietzschean. He is a okay. He's a guy that bucks political correctness before political correctness, and he's also somebody who decided to take over an industry. Uh, for his own profit and gain, and long. Yeah, Robbie Robertson did that with the band. Of course, I know. Like your mom and your dog are like really. Well, well no, it was actually basically history repeating itself. First as a comedy, or first as a tragedy, and then as a farce. Because essentially, both of them went with the like master stroke Machiavellian plan of, "Hey, I'm going to do slightly less drugs." than everyone around me. No, and Axl Rose was not the druggie of Guns N' Roses. Yeah, no, and that was the same with Robbie Robertson. Everyone was, like, just fucking zonked on heroin, and, like, the, like, record label was like, well, we gotta give ownership of all this music to someone, and the guy who, like, was awake enough to sign the contract is the one who won. And Axl Rose was that guy. Yeah, and Axl Rose was the person who was who took it like a democratic institution and turned it into an, like a totalitarian institution simply by like signing a couple documents. Which, if that's not like moving from <laughs> one level of like, neoliberalism to another, like I Slash would have, but his heart stopped at the no, point. but. <laughs> But Slash, like, started another band, like, five years later. Oh, yeah, no, and that, and fucking that band rock, Like a Stone, etc. No, wrong <laughs> band, A. Whatever. And also, that lead singer died of a heroin overdose shortly thereafter. That was not Audio Slave. Oh, right, yeah, whatever. That was Velvet Revolver. Velvet Revolver, fuck me, With yeah, no. Scott Wiley. I mixed up my 90s supergroups. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> because, you my 90s, early 2000s supergroups. Because hauntology just like proliferated in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. And also now I have like a stone stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> who also died of a drug overdose. Wait, who are we talking about at this point? 
Chris, well, that was Chris Cornell, but like they, yeah, that was a suicide, yeah. Yeah, it was a suicide and brought on by pain pill addiction. Word. Um, but yeah. you know, all right. Well, now was, this is depressing. <laughs> anyways, Axel Rose fighting against Steve Mnuchin and the Trump administration because. He is the epitome of neoliberalism who is fighting against the Trump administration for all the wrong reasons. He is a Hollywood elite. He is born out of Reaganomics. Welcome to the Jungle is a critique of Reaganomics. And everything that came after that was born out of that kind of dichotomy between the poor inner cities versus the poor white boys that come there and he was the one that rose above that created an empire and profited off of it and then opposed the person who then represented it and and he established this like liberal hegemony that only existed in post 9-11 liberalism that can't be quantified in any whatever meme that you just sent me, Marlo. <laughs> um, excuse yeah, me. Everything can be quantified in a meme. Thanks. <laughs> this is a tangential meme, but I think one you should appreciate. And I think that, like, Axel Rose, Kurt Cobain, and everyone else is, like, Gen X kind of searching for authenticity. And that's really, uh, I think... Axel Rose was truly looking for when he was searching for authenticity. When he got those box braids. Well, I mean, it's... He it's, was looking for authenticity. And you know what? I'm only saying it because, you know what, guys? Uh, as a terrible white person, I would also love to get box braids one day. Also, I, I think he's, he's had some really good Botox. You know, generally done pretty well for somebody who's a... Poor white trash from like nineteen like eighty two. Okay, I, I'm gonna lay down a theory. Both uh, millennials and Gen X are responding to hair metal, and essentially <laughs> Gen X takes the nihilist line where they resignedly say it's all bullshit, whereas millennials take the existentialist line where they excitedly say it's all bullshit. You know, like, basically, we're both responding to, you know, the 1980s, the, like, fucking macho era of professional wrestling, uh, the hair metal, this, that, and the other thing. And, like, Gen X... Formative masculinity. Yeah, and Gen X was like, oh, I'm the first person to realize that that all sucks. And millennials went, everyone knows that all sucks. And for that reason, I'm a genius for saying it's cool. Hey, stop talking about my personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk yeah. about the yeah. communist yeah. 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 history since the 1980s has been a response to hair metal? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the fuck Mark Fisher is talking about is wrong. It's all about hair metal. Can we talk about <laughs> communism in the news? I really want to talk about communism in the news. What, what is communism in the news? Well, mostly Venezuelan 
Okay, uh, Tim Heidegger tried to overthrow Maduro um, in some <laughs> new experimental like project he has for Adult Swim. I look forward to it coming out. Uh, it seems great. Um, but yeah. Generally, Maduro is right about all of the things. Fucking Allende got overthrown because he didn't kill enough people. Like, the, the Bolivarian Revolution is in jeopardy. Because Chavez, frankly, wasn't that much of a dictator. And a bunch of the people who hated Chavez were allowed to live and be in government and participate in elections and shit because he's not actually a dictator and he wins the presidency while Maduro does now because the party is popular. Sorry, nerds. Democracy. <laughs> I'm ready to talk about the episode of Tom Goes to the Mayor, uh, the Christmas special. Where, anyway, okay, this entire joke is premised on the fact that one of the mercs uh, in Venezuela kind of looks like Tim Heidecker in like a blurry picture. And Tom is going on this theory that the whole thing was like this Tim and Eric bit. There was a uh, episode of Tom Goes to the Mayor. Uh, the Christmas special where one of the guys was named Pat Croici. If you grew up in South Jersey or Philly, you would know uh, that's a reference to Pat Croici, the yeah. owner of the 76ers who had a house in Ocean City, New Jersey, where my grandparents... Ocean City, New Ocean Jersey. Ocean City, we were proud of you, etc. Of Ocean City, Maryland. Yeah, not to be confused with Ocean City, Maryland, <laughs> which is a den of depravity, whereas Ocean City, New Jersey is a uh, Christian... High class. They don't even sell liquor there. Christian, uh, America's fa favorite family resort. Uh, Look, I went on the first ghost tour of my life in Ocean City, New Jersey. That ghost tour actually... It's amazing. It, it's an amazing... Listen, I cannot recommend it enough. One of my uh, good friends from Ocean City uh, that I went to high school with, it, it like regularly goes by his house and he always used to fuck with them. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I grew up there. I, it's a very good ghost story. It actually instilled in me the habit of every time I travel to a new place, if they have a ghost tour that is available, <laughs> I will go on it. Because it's got to be a walking ghost tour with people who are serious ghost believers, not like some theme parky bullshit. I want to hear the real supposed stories from the town. Also, you learn a bunch of history in the ghost stories. It's a great thing to do if, uh, you know, not if you're going on a vacation-y vacation place, but if you happen to find yourself, you're on a conference somewhere, and uh, you're on a conference in Baltimore, Maryland, there's a ghost tour you can go on, guys. Uh, <laughs> and it's pretty good. I mean, it was... Uh, before i don't know i don't think we're doing ghost tours right now though you could do them socially distant really though ghosts are never socially okay distant, my they, always got, they my, always got their ghost balls my They're first my first ocean <laughs> city story was when i was brought to my first concert ever before i saw guns and roses in 2006 uh, my first story of going to a concert was seeing the beach boys on ocean city Beach. Oh, the fucking music pier, yeah? Yeah. I you're saw... At the, you were at the music pier? 
I was no, I was on the literal beach. I saw the Beach Boys when I was like six years old on the beach. My parents still have like the chairs that I sat in while I watched Mike Love and whatever other people he brought to the Beach Boys on Ocean. Was John Stamos? No, John Stamos was very present in the minds of everybody that was in the audience and on the stage. But I don't think he actually made a like an appearance. Yeah, I saw Jerry Garcia band well after Jerry Garcia was dead at the Ocean City Music Pier. They occasionally get good shit there. That is haunting as fuck. I yeah, got- no, that's all like very Mark Fisher. Mark- We've decided actually that hauntology is wrong, and it's actually Hegelian dialectic between Axelrod <laughs> and Kurt Cobain that describes all of history. No, it's Nietzsche and Ubermensch. Hegelian. Um- Axel Rose. Antithesis. Beachian Axel Rose. I'm just going to make a bunch of different Axel Roses. There's so many Axel Roses. There's Axel Rose in the hot pants. There's Axel Rose in like the short shorts. There's Axel Rose in the Confederate flag that he has around him. And then there's like later Rose when he. Which I relate to a Kanye-esque attempt <laughs> at dealing with a confederate. When he has like a, well, okay, so that was during the song Civil War, which <laughs> dealt, <laughs> which specifically dealt with the confederacy. He had a song about the Civil War where he whistled well, no, Axel like Rose. Middle, minute and a half. Like his whistling is. Axel Rose's whistling <laughs> is legend. <laughs> patience? Yes. Yeah, no, that's. His whistling and patience. Yeah. No, Axel Rose. Civil War. What's so civil about war, anyways, is like the line. Oh, yeah. No, that is. That is like a Christopher Guest documentary. Um, <laughs> That would not actually, like, exist in the real world. It should have been written by Spinal Tap as a joke in Spinal Tap. No, but it was the... But but even in... Even in a Christmas <laughs> documentary, it would have to be in-universe by an English person because literally <laughs> no American could be so fucking clueless to <laughs> wrap himself in a Confederate flag for a song called Civil War that has the line, what is so civil about war? No, he whispers that at the end of the song. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the epilogue of the song. Can we we get just that (laughs) (laughs) sound bite? What's so civil about war anyway? I want to point out that at the beginning of the song, before the song starts, he has a quote from Cool Hand Luke, which is the Vietnam about the Vietnam War, but, like, he ends it with... Have, wait, 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 I just want to time out. None of us have seen Cool Hand Luke, right? Cool Hand Luke is about... No, Cool Hand Luke is about... I thought uh, it was the past We're thing. aware of it, but I have not I'll seen I'll be honest, it, so. I straight up thought it was, like, a overweight blues singer that I was just going to pretend to be familiar with. 
<laughs> no, I just know. I thought it was like Taj Mahal kind of thing. But yeah, no, if it's a movie, I definitely haven't seen it. No, it's a very famous movie. Yeah, sure. Or <laughs> Blue Singer. I don't know. With, with Paul Newman as the. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Paul Newman's like, hey, he's looking sexy and shit. Yeah, I mean, but I, I don't, don't know. know I've seen this thing, so there's that. Um, <laughs> as far as Paul Newman movies go. Guys. My point is that Axl Rose wore Confederate yeah. paraphernalia. As he's having North, the Korea. North Korea. Yeah, we thought he was bad. He's not bad. Hilarious. He's not that I'm not getting my waifu a uh, dictator, which I'm very sad about. I called that like um, a week ago. Yeah, he everyone did. called that. Steve did call it. I did. Well, okay. I addressed it. That's exactly what happened here. And that's exactly as I predicted like the, for the last week. This is the same news story they run every six months. He's got receipts. Uh, this is, sure. I've got receipts. I was like, this is not true. Kim yeah. is alive. There's no way that this isn't propaganda of one side or the other. And there's no reason to have this argument about whether or not him being dead is good or not. But you didn't get your feminist revelation of like a communist dictator that was a woman. I want a lady, a lady boss, communist dictator. There has been a girl boss, uh, AES uh, leader. You know, I I mean, guys, if if it's got to be me one day. (laughs) No, I do not think there has been a single uh, Marxist-Leninist, parenthetical Maoist, girl boss, actually existing socialism uh, leader. in my in my quarantine, I'm uh, reacquainting myself with my visual art skills. Maybe I'll make a maybe I'll make a comic book. Hoja was very feminist, Just and his the- wife was like very prominent in the regime. So there was that. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I don't think there has. Been. But also, wouldn't it be so funny if waifu uh, dictator happened? What if she was like? Amazing at it. <laughs> yeah, no, like they not actually like a, managed not, to ban all social classes, money, and like states, like and achieve. Yeah, like communism. what if she fucking did it? Yeah, the state like basically withers, and that's what it took. No, I think it's possible. Like, I think the North Korean the ruse. Okay, let's go through the four possibilities of this ruse. Kim Jong Un was. You know, possibly dead, but came back to life at the last minute, which I find very implausible. I think I know what. Um. Well, Kim, yeah, Kim Jong doesn't even poop, so I believe anything is possible. So, yeah. like, <laughs> no, I mean, okay, go through your scenarios because like, the, the, have- the second scenario is that Kim Jong Un was not that he was just on vacation and missed an occupation that he was supposed to be at, which sent a lot of like propaganda around the world that he was dead. And then the North Korean like media propagation said he did it intentionally just to route out the people that 
Uh, North Korea did say that, did they? I thought they, that, that was South Korea. Or that was like, actually, that wasn't even. That was, that was an Indian media corporation. Yeah, no, that's dumb. Uh, like, I mean, basically, this scenario they didn't show up at a thing and that, like, set off a bunch of shit. And then, like, state media was like. The North Koreans love when Western media, like, incorrectly guesses that one of their people died. Because, you know, it's just like a way of, like, they don't have a lot of power. It's like it's like a prisoner uh, who likes to fuck with his lawyers because that's the only time he has control. Even though they don't have a lot of power and their best way to express power is to just, like, fuck with people when they can so yeah like when we were all saying he's dead they're like hey you know it'll be funny if he shows up three weeks later that'll be hilarious <laughs> um and yeah that's what they did yeah because they also did it with that other the it, this has happened before we had this whole thing about like how we ex how uh, North Korea executed some dissident, and then at the next party conference, he was like literally sitting next to Kim Jong Un. Yeah, no, they do that shit. Like it's it's funny to them, and it's like kind of funny. Uh, I'll get. I thought it was funny the whole time when we were arguing whether or not Kim Jong Un being dead would be good or bad. I just think it's exciting when people die. So. But nobody ever died, and that was a, a ridiculous premise that people thought that Kim Jong-un at the age of 34... Well, I mean, they, like, said botch surgery was their thing. I don't know. But yeah, who well, said that, it? That, like, it was just dissident. No, the reason it got traction is because somebody in the Chinese media who was supposedly related to somebody in North Korea had supposedly confirmed the death like that was how i never investigated enough to see who this was personally i thought it was defectors but i saw that. i thought it was defectors that were in like the uk well i guess well i guess we'll never like know. but then they had <laughs> to come out and apologize for all the false information that they spread around yeah it's funny it's um, really funny, and it did like, actually. Play. Like their their sanctions are killing them. They have like no fucking power. So like occasionally they can fake a death and like trick the media, and it's hilarious to them. Well, you know what I haven't heard a peep about is uh, North Korea's response to coronavirus. So maybe the whole thing was just to have absolutely nothing oh, come out about how they're dealing with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I assume they assaulted it through Juche thought. Uh, Juche Gang 2020 <laughs> um, has abolished the coronavirus in totalitaire. In totalitaire. <laughs> all right, so my name's Marlo. I got nothing to promote. Fuck you all. <laughs> uh, we're Pinko Commie Sluts You can find us on Twitter At Pinko Sluts uh, I'm Bunny Themelis You can find me on Twitter at Bunny Themelis And you can find me on Twitter At, at Pinko Steve I do have something to promote Like donate to like Tarn Adams Creator of Dwarf Fortress Like I think they have a Patreon <laughs> Dude deserves it um, Fucking like champ For like 20 goddamn years uh, great fucking game. 
uh, offered for free donation where basically invented the Patreon model before Patreon. Send that dude some cash. Uh, yeah. Hell yeah. Dwarf Wars. Dwarf Wars. All right. Hang on, Kami Slaz. We did it. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Axel Rose forever. Okay.